right. Well, we are back, and we are talking about uh, the four habits of joy-filled people. And uh, just to give a little over overview summary, we've been talking about how people will either live with a uh, fear house or they live with a joy house. Now, a fear house is basically kind of the idea that I'm going to the back of my brain when I'm, yeah. when I'm feeling emotions and I'm stuck back here in the back of my brain. So when I'm stuck in this back part, this is where I feel shame and anger and fear and disgust and, and the big six negative emotions we talked about in the last episode. What we want to do is that when we're feeling joy, we're actually in the front of our brain. Yeah. And so that, that front part of the, the brain we call the, uh, the technical term is the right orbital prefrontal yeah. cortex. So that's yeah. a mouthful, it's a mouthful. Right? Yeah. yeah, so we just call it the joy center. Yeah. Right? So right. the joy center part of the brain, the right orbital prefrontal <laughs> cortex, that joy center is in the front of my brain. So part of what we're wanting to do is we tell people that your brain has to develop two things really, really strong, really big, really strong in order to be a joyful person. Yeah. One is I need a, a big joy center. That's now, right. to, to get that big joy center, that's where we start with the first two habits. So that's why right. don't you just, just tell them how does those, those first two habits of calming, appreciating help us build that yeah, center? Yeah, you know what it does? It really provides the framework for building joy. And so the appreciation primes us for lots of glad-to-be-togetherness, right? And appreciation actually, um, yeah, it, it literally wakes up our brain when we're practicing appreciation, which helps us calm. Yeah. And so what that does is, Marcus, that prepares us to, to jump into joy and build some joy and sustain our joy so we can um, share joy wherever we go because our brain is looking for joy. So yeah. very practical. And so part of it is we're trying to train our brains, look for joy, don't just look for problems, yeah, right? It. We're always going to have problems, so you got to train yourself to look for joy more often than you have to train yourself yeah, to look for problems. Right. So uh, that's the first thing. I need a really big joy center, and I think I've heard the research that this can get to be a quarter the size of your brain big. or something. You can get big. Yeah. And it so grows. you do like a, a brain scan on, on a very joyful person, and this part of their it's brain well has grown. It's well-developed. Yeah. On the other hand, you hear stories of like, especially, I always think of these uh, orphans who've been raised like yeah. in these Eastern European yeah. orphanages or something like that, and and uh, their basic needs are taken care of, but there's no bonding no happening. There's no yeah. attachment that's taking place. Yep. And so this part of the brain can literally be like the size of a pea. Yeah, and, and what, be... what happens, Marcus, is the fear center is overly big for, for children who grow up in those orphanages where there's not a lot of joy. So the joy center is undeveloped, but the fear centers, they've noticed, are over, are big. And when they're overgrown, so to speak, when they're big, what happens is we are very... As you said, we're scanning for joy. We're we're or no, we're scanning for fear. Sorry, we're we're expecting fear. We're feeling fear. We're predicting fear. It is not a good thing. So what we're trying to do is help people learn how to grow that joy center so that we can quiet the fear. Yeah. So one of the things that happens is is it's hard to actively destroy the fear things that have been yeah. developed. So the so the solution isn't attacking the fear yeah, center. Right. The solution is growing the joy that's center. Right. And so that's why we're focusing on this. So the yeah. first we said there's two things in the brain that we need in order to have a joyful uh, a, a, be a joyful person. And the first is a big joy center, and we yeah. do that largely through calming and appreciating yeah. that's why that's the foundation mm -hmm. those are the two foundational habits and then we need to the other thing we need are what we call joy pathways yeah. a joy pathway from like shame mm -hmm. back to joy from anger back to joy from disgust back to joy so you take any of those yeah. six negative emotions 
And we need uh, the other thing that you will find well developed and joy filled people are these strong pathways back to joy. So this is brought, brings us to storytelling because storytelling is really uh, the primary way that the tool that we have for growing those neural pathways that connect us back to there so we don't get stuck in the back of our brain we can function from the front of our brain and here's the bonus thing when i'm functioning from the front of my brain i act like myself yeah. right because my true self is not who i am when i'm stuck back right. here in despair no, and right. shame my true self is who i am when i'm living with joy that was a huge revelation for me yeah that's a big one yeah yeah and your joy center is the part of your brain that can override the fear response so your joy center that we're talking about that is the one part of the brain that can basically say okay fear thank you for that let me take over and that's why we want to bolster this part of our brain and build it with joy because really that does run who we are and you think about it, if you're in any kind of a performance orientation whether you're an actor or a musician or an athlete or whatever you got to perform maybe you're a yeah. business person you got to do a presentation mm -hmm. you're you are going to do things better if you're coming from a place of yeah, joy right. and you're just being yourself than if you are out of fear trying to be perfect, right? right? It's always going to impede my performance if I'm functioning out of fear and anxiety right. rather than the flow that you get when you're able to live out of joy. Yeah, and you know, that's what got me through speech class. I dropped speech class twice, Marcus, in college. <laughs> Two times I walked out of the classroom. And you know what helped me eventually was connecting with other friends who had mastered speech. They survived it. And to hear their stories of how they succeeded and they got through speech class, that's when I was finally able to get through speech for the third time. <laughs> you never know it because you stand up and talk in front of people. Yeah, the, the irony, now, right? Yeah, right? The irony. Ironic. Yeah, I think uh, so. What we want to do in this episode is, is teach folks the um, four-step process for telling a good joy story. Yep. Now, again, a joy story isn't just a story about a time I was happy, though that's legit. Yep. Um, it could be also a story of a time when I felt one of these sad, sad emotions, one of these yep big six negative emotions and was able to recover or was able to act like myself or I was I learned something and now yeah. I can share that that point so we'll just walk folks through the four steps and uh, if I'm telling this story the first thing I'm going to do is is lay the setting okay. so for example um, I went to a, uh, a restaurant with some friends and uh, while we were at this restaurant, I know it was a they, they had a buffet, and I noticed that they had chocolate mousse on the buffet, and I love chocolate mousse. Mm -hmm. So I was gonna, I had already made a mental note, make sure I get the chocolate mousse when the end, end of this thing. So I went, went up, and so this is the setting. This is the setting is the uh, is a restaurant. It's a buffet. They got chocolate mousse. Then the second step is a T. So this is we call it the step method. S T E P. So this S is the setting. T is the trigger. So the trigger in this story is that I went up for the chocolate mousse. I got a big helping of it, brought it back to my, my table, took a big bite, and almost threw up because it wasn't chocolate mousse. It was liver pate. Ooh. Okay, so that's the Ooh. trigger. Okay, the trigger was liver pate, not chocolate mousse. Ooh. My mouth is expecting creamy wonderfulness, uh. and I get blah, right? Ooh. So I'm like literally... <laughs> have to go to the restroom i'm <laughs> gagging right because of, of this and so that gag reflex we recognize that as part of disgust yeah that's right right so i'm so now we get to the e e is the emotion what is the emotion i'm feeling i was triggered with disgust 
over this liver pate that I was feeling. And you could and I could see people looking at me like, how is he gonna handle this? Like how you know, what's this gonna do to him? And realizing asking myself the question, how would it be like me to handle disgust? And uh, how do I not turn into another person? How do I return to joy from this? And so that gets me to the P or the point, and that is how am I going to, uh, the, the point of this story was, I made some kind of a joke out, out of the whole thing before, you know, everybody was laughing, they could relax, and we were like, Oh, you, you were going to be okay. Yeah, we're going to be yeah. okay. And then everybody starts telling stories of times that they've done something stupid like that, and unexpected. And yeah. and now, and, and so what started as a moment of disgust ended up in a moment of joy for everybody. Mm. Wow. And so that's that's a classic like joy story. Mm. All right. So the joy story had a setting. It was in the restaurant. It had a trigger. It turned out to be pate, not you know this other thing. Now, for those of you who love liver pate, yeah. my apologies, but you know, and then, <laughs> it's not chocolate mousse. It's not though. chocolate mousse. And then the emotion, right? It was disgust. It made me feel like yuck, like I just wanted to get out of here. And then there was uh, the 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 point that were learned to um, act like myself anyway. You know, find a way to turn this into a relational moment. And so that's my. Uh, hmm. That's my uh, liver pate yeah. disgust Ooh. story. There's yeah. the four steps. So <laughs> that's good. So one of the things we try to do, uh, you teach this, right? Yeah. So why don't you tell people a little bit about Thrive Training that you okay. that you and Jen lead, and how storytelling uh, connects to what you do in your in your training. You know, Thrive Training is where we practice training relational skills. We call them the nineteen skills, and so Thrive has several tracks where you learn specific skills in every track. And track two is where we really lean into the return to joy stories and learning to stay myself stories. And so track two is a lot of practice on what we're talking about here with the goal of, you know, five days of practicing exercise. You're going to get really good at it. Yeah. So I remember going through track two with my yeah. son. So my son, Ben, and I went to track mm. two, and it was yeah. kind of fun for the two of us to to have to come up with stories right. related to all these different emotions. So the, actually, the story I just told about the restaurant yeah. I that was a story I put together for the training that oh. we were going through. I still remember it. It's it's one oh. of those I come back to. Hmm. And uh, what happens is as you begin collecting stories, yeah. like this is how your brain operates yeah. too, because your brain learns to predict the future. That's right on the basis of the stories that That's it's right. collected. It does. So you want to expand on that? Yeah. A bit? So this is fascinating. You know how your brain looks back to predict what's next. So your brain always looks in the rearview mirror to predict what's around the corner. So when I hear your story about that liver pate, what happens is my brain now has an example of how I could survive something really disgusting, right? So it wasn't fun. It was a rough moment for you, but you you handled it. You stayed relational. You even got back to joy sharing that laughing with your friends, and it became a, a very special memory. And so that's what we're talking about. I now have an example in my mind of how I could actually feel some disgust and I would be okay. Well, and I remember so uh, how the, the the power of hearing other people's stories yeah. is really important because yeah. I remember a time when I was struggling with anxiety and I, mm. I couldn't get it out of my body and I was just afraid of all these things and I met mm. this um, really delightful uh, young lady at a uh, gathering where I was speaking. She was African American. She lived in an inner city. She was uh, dealing with all kinds of problems, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I had a." didn't have enough money for this i had a problem with that and then she got a phone call from her daughter who was having a uh, some kind of a crisis and in the midst of all of this she was like I i'm sitting here going this would overwhelm me yeah. right this would overwhelm oh, me yeah. and she's uh going through all of it and then she said this magical word she said but 
Mm. <laughs> and she said she turned it over and said, "But I have this to be grateful mm. for, and I have this Ooh. to be grateful for, and I and I and I'm looking." forward to this mm. and i'm looking forward to seeing my daughter tonight and wow. we're going to be able to process this all together and i got to mm. watch her go through and, and go wow here is somebody who is facing really big stuff who didn't let it overwhelm them and transform that into but i found the positive thing here that i could look at mm. and so listening to her mm. just tell that story yeah gave me some tracks to run on now yeah. i will say something too about the power of the word but Mm -hmm. Right, and yeah. that it can be used for great positive yeah. benefit yeah. or great evil. Right, right. It can go either way. Right, because <laughs> sometimes we're telling appreciation stories. Yeah, and we right. use the word "but," and it pulls yeah. the rug out from under the appreciation. Yeah, it's like we, you know, it's like it. yeah. I don't say, "Hey, Chris, I really appreciated yeah. you know when you did that." The old "but," yeah, you, but. Know, you could have done it better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, you lose the joy. <laughs> So it's a powerful word. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like I can be saying all this horrible stuff happened. This was bad. This was bad. But yeah. you know, then I move into this is what I'm grateful for. This is what I'm focused on. This is where my next relational thing's going to be. Yeah. And that can be a powerful word in another direction. It can. And you know what they found with storytelling? So not only do I learn from your example, but they found that when a story, when a person's telling a story of something that happened to them the listener's brain lights up like the storyteller's brain. So what ha what's happening is when I hear your story, my brain's responding as though I was going through that with you. And so I am now learning and gleaning from your experience. And just like the story of that woman's great example of how she navigated it, that story is going to be with you forever. It right. just becomes part of the library in our brain that we can then pull up later, pull up those files later to access those files. Well, and I think uh, this also relates to this thing in our brain called mirror neurons. Do you yeah. want to explain mirror neurons to people a little bit? Yeah, so mirror neurons was discovered when a scientist was studying um, a monkey and a monkey's brain and different things that was happening in the monkey, right? And when the scientist picked up a cup of coffee to drink, the monkey's brain responded as though the monkey was picking up a cup of coffee to drink. And he was like, "What? what is this? And so what happens is when we see people do things, it our brain responds. So when I see you return to joy from your disgust, I am like with you in that. My brain mm -hmm. is responding as though I was experiencing that as well with you. Yeah, well, I, I, we see this in all kinds of areas in life, too. But it's like, have you ever watched like the, a mom with a little baby? Yeah. Right, That little baby is glued to the mom yeah. and is, is interacting with everything. That's why we sometimes refer to them getting like what is a download from the mom. Yeah. Like a, and, that's right. And that's all happening because there's a part of our brain that learns by watching. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to just – and then and what storytelling does is it causes me to form a visual – in my mind yes. that is like that mirrors that yeah, right? right so um, all this is really uh, important so for those who are looking joy stories what we're going to do in the book is we're going to help you take this step model right the uh, which is the yeah. setting the trigger the emotion the point right yeah. that step model and then apply it to each of those sad sad emotions the yeah, big six negative right. emotions so that you can practice uh, 
putting together uh, your own stories of ways that you were able to face these emotions. And we always encourage them, like, don't start with the worst, biggest emotion yeah. you ever had. Sure. Like, don't go like, I remember when I, you know. <laughs> the hard. Yeah, yeah, the hardest thing that ever happened to me, but start with a moderate level emotion. Yeah. Like, you know, liver pate wasn't gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a moderate level thing. Um, so I'm not gonna talk about Sorry. the day my pet died yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna talk about know. the day, you know, the worst, you know, something horrible happened yeah. to me. I'm gonna be looking at something that triggered a low level of this emotion, how I was able to resolve that. And then we grow from there and we build up from there. Cause yeah. sometimes that's people important. hear this and yeah. they're like, oh, I'll just start with the worst thing yeah. ever. And that's, and that's a really sign that I need to practice with my friends so that I can find those, those lower moderate level of emotions because you're exactly right. Sometimes people, their brain, the volume's just turned up, and I'm going to think of all the, the, the worst things that's happened. That just blows other people out of the water. So let's try to find low, moderate, and build from there. But it might take a little while for people to be able to, to put that into practice. Yeah. So uh, you've been finding this helpful. I encourage you to go to our website, fourhabits.org. There you're going to find uh, the three books that Chris and I have co-authored. There'll be links there to the Four Habits of Joy-Filled People, the Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, the Four Habits of Raising Joy-Filled Kids. Let's face it, we all need some help with, yes, we do. Uh, with some of these things. Uh, we're also going to uh, have there a uh, the 28 Days to Joy Challenge. So if you go to 28daystojoy.org, we'll take you there, or just go there from fourhabits.org website. And Chris has put together uh, exercises to help jumpstart your journey to growing the joy center in your brain, to beginning this process of uh, learning how to live like a more joy-filled person. Uh, so we hope you'll find this helpful. Hopefully you'll join us next week on the podcast as we go deeper in understanding how to live like a joy-filled person. <music>